contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I'm giving you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery. But they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal to search for truth and understanding. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a mother earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied. But these men were the first and they will remain the foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. Stuck on the moon again. It's episode 87 of Behind the Schemes for March 7th, 2022. And I am Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the bereft coast where some of us remember that there were three men who were on the Apollo 11 mission, not two. <laughs> uh, my name is Lavish. What's good, Lavish? How are, how are you tonight? Oh, very, very good. Feeling very uh, strong and healthy and, and splendid. How are you feeling, Booberry? 
I'm doing all right. You know, we had a little bit of uh, some more technical snafus getting started. Blue screen twice, but uh, we did it. I'm happy with the way everything sounds. I got all my shit ready to rock and roll for another episode. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Well, good to go. Yeah, that's right. See, we don't have a Michael Collins who would be the third guy. I understand at the beginning we was talking about how, like, uh, you know, two guys went to the surface of the moon. And and that's it. But there was one guy who was orbiting the moon and went with them and got him back. Does that guy not get any love? Did we not give get to call that guy cool anymore? <laughs> two guys, one moon. Guess not. <laughs> two fuck, guys, fuck one moon. That guy. This moon ain't big enough for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> we posted some funny moon footage the other day. It was just. Uh, you watch it and you kind of get blown away at how silly it looks sometimes. Yeah. Well, okay, just for clarification, that was not an actual speech given by Nixon. It was a speech prepared in case of emergency when inevitably the astronauts get stuck in space. Like all the other monkeys and dogs and whatever the hell else we sent up to space to rot yeah we send monkeys up there and stuff and you know they seem to be they seem to be doing okay but, but uh that was anything I'm, oh sorry go ahead well i was just gonna say that was a uh deep fake uh speech created back in 2020 oh it wasn't even uh, a secret recording of nixon practicing the speech that was a that was a deep fake correct Ah, uh, well, yeah. I guess it is, yeah, sound that great. Yeah, it's but, part of it sounding kind of weird. It's like, man, this sounds, this sounds sus. This sounds a little, you know. I thought it could have been maybe from some show where they do alternate reality stuff, you know. Mm. They got a lot of those kinds of shows going on these days. Right, it's like, whoa, what if? Oh, what if Hitler won? Oh, go. Jeez. Here we go again. And uh, here's what well, I'm seeing they, from the chat. They, the, they did the do a series. The, the uh, Man in the High Castle is exactly oh, yeah, that. Know, that's what I was referencing. I was referencing oh, I that show. Mm. So so that's just one show that, that was a big show, and everybody was on about that. And I was like, okay, whatever. Philip, um, a Philip K. Dick book, if I'm not mistaken. Philip K. Dick wrote everything <laughs> except for Maltese Falcon. That was ha- uh, Hammett. Dashiell Hammett. What were you going to say about Collins? <clears throat> Apparently, according to the chat, uh, Collins, uh, Michael Collins is the least popular of all of the Collins. And there are many great Collins. There's Phil Collins, the great Phil Collins. You have Tom Collins, the drink. You get another Phil Collins, another famous musician, guitarist for Def Leppard. Oh, was that guy's name Phil Collins, too? Yes. But is it like F-I-L-L? I think it's singular L. Oh, that's what that's the other Phil does too. Yeah, and they're oh, both the British. Oh yeah, you got Tim Apple. Who's British? To Phil Col- Oh yeah, Phil Collins is British. Yep. Both of the Phil Collins are British. Oh, they're both British. It mm-hmm. must just be you know they only have like ten people over there in England. So, <laughs> yeah, only, only like seven only, names. Only seven names to choose from. There's Philip, Charles, Nigel. And Winston. Oh, yeah. Winston's a good one. 
Yeah. Arthur. 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 Yes. King of the Britons. King of the Brits. Arthur. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I was thinking some, uh, some people I was not expecting to make Monty Python references today were, we're doing Monty Python re- references. I was like, good on you. We, th- we oh, have some <laughs> in the wild, you mean? Yeah, in the wild. You like you saw some people that you thought were hopeless make some Monty Python references, and you're like, okay, yep, all right. I move for no man. That's no ordinary rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we can do that all day. Well, we should because we have a tarot card to get to. Mm, what's the tarot card today? From the Line Strider deck, uh, we have the Chariot, which I believe is a first-time draw for this show. Oh, I never get the Chariot. Yes, focus, goal, process, self-discipline, uh, self-sacrifice, moving forward, traveling, oh. and winning. Ding, ding, That's ding. That's why I don't get, ever get the Chariot. Now I'm now I'm understanding. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. This is the Charlie Sheen of the Tarot deck. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The chariot line strider does not hold the reins. The horses are not bound. They are oriented through willpower and balance. Chariot represents a struggle from within and outward and to win with willpower and discipline. You need to be calm, disciplined, and in control of your passions and intellect to be able to overcome the limitations and difficulties of recent times. This is powerful, emblematic, and a motivational card of victory, will, and sacrifice. Hmm. Yeah, that's what my book basically says, too. Willpower and control. That's cool. Although, see, this one is very distinctly Egyptian in the card. And the chariot, as made famous by ancient Egypt, fuck ancient Egypt, um... Yeah, it's interesting that they just really blatantly went with the Egyptian imagery here. Yeah, they could have went Roman. They could have, but the Egyptians, they really rocked the chariot. They conquered the the kingdom with those things. There's a lot of sun imagery as well, and um, a lot of strength. The the pyramids also represent strength, because they're the ideal form. They are the, whatever, the, the phi... And golden ratio and the uh, the proportions of the Earth and the solar system and the planets' relation to one another and stru- uh, structurally sound and structurally sound. They've, they've they're probably older than the official date that we give them. Right? We say that they're probably between like four or five thousand years old, but they're probably older than that. I, I think the. Uh... Ancient Egyptians probably rolled up into the territory and the pyramids are still standing there. Yeah. Or something. Like, Holy oh. shit, check this out. Oh, you dude. This? You know what would be this. sick? Bro, I want to get buried in that bitch. <laughs> when I die, put me in it. <laughs> Into me, bro. Into <laughs> me, bro. <laughs> you know all that salt that we found the other day? Fucking bury me in that shit. Uh <laughs> Oh, shit. You know what would be hilarious if I took, like, all of my stuff and buried it with me, bro? They invented burying stuff. We (laughs) probably bury our dead today because of those assholes. 
Mm. Like, that's how far back the shit goes. And embalming a motherfucker. And embalming stuff. And birth control was invented by the ancient Egyptians. What, by cutting people's dicks off? Uh, it's got something to do with honey, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, those guys loved honey and beekeeping and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They love that shit. They loved that shit. The message of the chariot is one of willpower and control. Recognize your own strength and ability to maintain order in the midst of chaos. Know that you can achieve more than you think you can. Celebrate your accomplishments, but be aware of repressing issues or turning away from ideas that puzzle you. Once you achieve your goals, do not come to a complete stop thinking that you have arrived. There's always more to learn and accomplish. The chariot moves on. I got a I got a cool line from tarotx.net. The uh, the chariot implies something more than a glorious victory. Holding the reins of horses requires absolute control that represents a uh, strong will. Plato and Phaedrus mentions that the mind resembles a chariot pulled by a pair of black and white horses. Hmm. I like that. Another reflection of the bicameral mind that we've talked about before. Kind of racist. Yeah, definitely racist. <laughs> they should tear down his statues. They should. Probably. We should find his statues and rip them down. Yes. Welcome to your doom. You're done. You're Egyptian done. birth control methods include the use of honey, akasha fruit, and akasha leaves. I knew honey was in there. And then they make like a salve out of it, I, I want to say. God, how did they ever figure that out? Are you the science one? They're like, before we do this, I want to try something. Mm. Lots and lots and lots and lots of science. So much science going on out there in the desert and stuff, man. Yeah. (laughs) The CDC is like this whole governmental body with scientists and shit that just tell us what to do. You don't have to think about it, dude. The ancient Egyptian CDC. (laughs) Yeah. The Central Desert Center. (laughs) Ancient Chinese CDC say. (laughs) (laughs) Chinese Democracy Center say. Oh, Lordy. Well, that's a, that card is from the tarot deck of the line strider. As always, if you would like to see that photo, you can go and check out our uh, show notes posted up at Zoso's corner. Substack.com. Z O S O S corner. Substack. Com. It's up there, big, bold, and beautiful at the very top of the page with a link to uh, some of the stuff that we read from. Basically, everything that we bring to the show is uh, posted up in this bad boy. Yeah, these are some hot show notes. If you, were, if you think that we're just talking out our butts, go to these show notes. We got everything referenced there. <laughs> yep, all of the uh, the openers and closers and intermissions and articles and we got all sorts of show arts um if you go over to nudepodcastapps.com you can download one of them newfangled podcasts in 2.0 sons of bitches nudepodcastapps.com yep that's the Podcast one apps. You I can, spelled it right i would recommend checking out one of the ones where you can do chapters and uh streaming value we got like Pod Friend, Curiocaster, Fountain, uh, I think Breeze. What else? What else? What else? There's another one. Uh, 
I said and so much cast. more and so many more. Um, and there's so much more. I actually, uh, someone sent me a picture of our show from a Google, um, Google podcast player, and all it shows is just the uh, generic art for for the show. So if you're mm. on one of the legacy apps like Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you're missing out on half of the show, in my humble opinion, because there's a whole underworld of uh, specific show art for each chapter, show art for the show, all sorts of, of amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're actually like denying yourself, like, and it's all for free. Like, that's the. I mean, for free in the sense that we don't have a paywall. You can access all this stuff. All you got to do is just get the right app. Yes. Um. Yeah, and it's and it's cool. And not only that, but you're probably also going to get ads if you listen on some of those bigger podcast apps, the Googles and the Apples and all that. And the whole point of our system is that we don't have those. And when you listen to those, and I've caught it a couple times. You know, if you listen to it on those apps, they will throw in their own commercials, which, of course, we don't get a dime of that. They don't tell us. They don't They don't ask our permission on that. <laughs> not only do we not get a dime, but we don't want their dime. Yeah. Fuck that. Because that's how much <laughs> they'd pay us, a dime. Okay. You know what I mean? So fuck them. Mm. Fuck them. Yes, indeed. The, this production is entirely Freak of Hazard produced by producers like you. We do mm-hmm. this show every Monday night at 7.30, 9.30, 10.30 Eastern, respectively. You can head over to badradio.live, loveislit.com, or the classic Behind the Schemes, sch3m3s.com. And um, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have any um, any boostergrams again for tonight. Uh, mm. I'm at the point where I could open channels, but I don't have enough funds in there at the moment to do the channels that are really required. So I'm hoping here uh, next week or so we'll be rocking and rolling. Though. Yep. The no- All right. Great. Yeah. Sweet. We just we couldn't. Um, the uh, the backup file that we tried to reboot with it, or, or sorry, reboot the node with it wouldn't take and. Uh, so I just, you know, all the channels that were there and all the boostergrams are sadly lost, but uh, we will, um, you know, make new ones, make new memories. <laughs> yeah. It's the nodes we made along the way. It's the nodes we made <laughs> along the way. But that does mean that if you get one of them nude podcasting apps, you can go out there and boost several other shows that are featured on the no agenda stream so consider it check it out love us boost me bitch boost me oh yes boost me hey baby your daddy let you boost do a commercial you're off the artistic roll call every word you say is suspect you're a corporate whore and uh end of story Easiest way to help produce this show is by calling that telephone number, which is lavish. That telephone number is 612-263-7999. I'll say it one more time. 612-263-7999. 
612-263-7999. And we got a call coming in from Tuesday at 33 seconds on the dot. Hey, 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 screamers, I got a pizza drunk for you. Uh, what's the best day for pizza? <laughs> Every day? All day and any day. <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> oh, I every day would work too. Yeah, well, see, there oh, you go. God, I just fucked up my own joke. No, Damn it. fucking. Why do I do this shit? Ah! Hey, you reaffirmed <laughs> my. <laughs> no, doctor. <laughs> you, you, you were, you were right about the pizza. What, I wonder what Doctor Sir Mike Crotch likes on his pizza. Mmm, that is a that is a very intriguing question. Maybe you could call in and let us know what you like on your pizza. Cheese equals kissing. Olives equals giving oral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> linguisa means you like to get uh, you know get a little freaky, get a little right. slap, yes. a little choke, a little this, a little that. <laughs> Maybe get thrown around maybe a little bit. Whoa! This <laughs> <laughs> all falls under the linguista category. <laughs> oh my. That's uh yeah. You just want to slap her in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Keep it Lucy. Lucy Goosey. Uh looks like we had another one come in on a Friday. I know exactly what that is. Uh, that's uh, Ghostbusters. That is incorrect. This is crack cocaine. That's what it sounds <laughs> like to be on crack cocaine, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, I have to say, Ghostbusters was probably entirely made on... Not crack cocaine, but just cocaine. You know, I, Dan Aykroyd. I, I don't. I, I. Do you know if he's kind of like a straight laced dude, or did he party back in the day? I think he smokes reefer. Reefer. Uh, <laughs> he smokes reefer and he drinks vodka. He's, he's got his own line of vodka, as you well know. I do like um, that vodka a lot. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I, I enjoy it too. I think it's actually a fantastic product, especially at its price point. And given its celebrity status. But um I I don't know. I think honestly though, that like those first years of SNL, they were all doing cocaine. Like that was the scene. Yeah. Like Lauren Michaels actually gave them coke because he thought that it would be like funnier <laughs> if they were all on coke. <laughs> like literally. Um so I, I imagine, yes, probably in 75, Aykroyd, I imagine, was doing coke. Um, but, you know, he probably didn't do that forever. And he probably <laughs> didn't do it as hard as the other guys. He wasn't like Belushi doing fucking speedballs in the bathroom every night, you know? Yeah. Oh, Lordy. He probably dabbled a bit. And then he moved on to a different type of rock, which was uh, Herkimer Diamonds. 
used in the process of distilling the crystal skull vodka that he produces. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, Herkimer, a couple of Herkimer diamonds laying around here. Oh, I'm sure there's some heebie-jeebie I don't know about about those crystals. Because he's a super, yeah, he's all into it. He's a super alien guy and... Uh, it's a uh, it's a specific type of quartz out of the Herkimer County, New York. So they are, there's like there's one area there and somewhere in South America where it's the only place that that particular makeup of quartz is found. Mm-hmm. Really pretty shit. Really, really pretty. Yeah, I'm sure that they're very lovely. I mean, the whole thing just seems like from top to bottom, it's it's overthought. As only Dan Aykroyd could do it. He was on uh, Rogan. Uh, did you ever see him on Rogan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. He was great in like a three-hour thing. He was. He, he performed very well. I mean, you know, he's he's an older guy now, and uh, he's been through a lot. <laughs> he's seen a lot of shit. He's been in a billion movies. <laughs> One metric billion. One billion <laughs> movies made, served. Like, man, that guy's been in so many movies now. Well, uh, uh, we got uh, we got two more that we can leave until intermission a little later. But if you would like to get in on that action, 612-637-999 is the number that you want to call. That's right. As of right now, we don't screen. We don't do anything. You can call it and we'll play it on the air. And, uh, you know, we may or may not react to it, depending on... How well you scream or not? <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, then that just uh, that leaves some dice roll. I was thinking, let's. Uh, <laughs> I want to take a d twenty, and the person to get closest to three goes first. I like it. All right. How'd you do? Yeah, poorly. I rolled a 16. Ooh, shit. I got a uh, 7. Well, then, you're in like Flint, Michigan. Yay, me. Oh, what do I want to hit you with first? Uh, You want some dinosaur news? Always. Mm, Let me get some clips loaded up. Uh, Although, I gotta tell you something. There's nothing about dinosaurs that's news. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know, man. This uh, this could this could break new ground in paleontology. A uh, There's a group of scientists out there making the argument that there are, in fact, uh, there's a third distinct species of Tyrannosaurus rex. And here's my first clip. If we ever find a way to bring the non-avian dinosaurs back to life, there are probably some species better left as giant ornaments hanging in museum lobbies, like the Tyrannosaurus rex, the so-called king of the tyrant lizards. Well, according to a study published this week in Nature Evolutionary Biology, all those T-Rex fossils may not actually be what we think they are. There may be at least two other members of this royal family. As of right 
right now, the T-Rex is the only species recognized in the Tyrannosaurus genus. But over the decades, paleontologists have noted that their fossils are pretty diverse. Like, some specimens have just one set of long, narrow incisors, and others have two. Also, the size and structure of the femur bones can vary a lot, with some being more stocky and others more slender. Some paleontologists say that these are merely differences between males and females. Meanwhile, others argue it has to do with how old a dino was when it died. So this group of scientists, they're looking at uh, all these different femurs. Uh, I don't... Uh, there was only like 40... They got femur fever. <laughs> femur fever. <laughs> I got a fever. And the only prescription is more femur. <laughs> more femur. <laughs> femur? I barely, barely know her. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You, uh, going off the rails here. Nice. <clears throat> Uh, so yes, uh, they ended up studying a bunch of T-Rex fossils from the Rocky Mountain area. Like I stated, there was only about 40 different fossils that they were able to observe. Um, this next clip just kind of lays out the different, uh, parameters that they were using to make these studies. But are there enough differences in some of the T-Rex fossils to be an entirely different species? One team set out to answer that question by studying about 40 fossils, most of which were excavated from around what is now the Rocky Mountain region in the U.S. About half of the dinosaurs had femurs to analyze, and it turns out that about two-thirds of them were the more robust type. If the difference was due to sex, they argued that the ratio should have been about 50-50. Also, some of the slender femurs were found in fully grown adults, while some of the robust ones were in larger juveniles. So age didn't seem to answer the question either. For 28 of the fossils, the team was able to figure out how long ago they lived based on how far down in the fossil record they'd been buried. And while all of the oldest femurs were robust, the slender femurs became more abundant in younger layers of rock. But robust femurs were there too, which suggests that tyrannosaurs, at least in this part of the world, grew more diverse over a million years or so. And while only about a dozen fossils could have their dental records compared against their femur bones, there did appear to be a connection between the two. The ones with more slender femurs were more likely to have one set of incisors instead of two. So they got some bones. I mean, that's, uh, I, I guess, uh, I guess it would throw off their research if they were pulling other dinosaurs from different parts of the world, or other T-Rexes, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um... I thought they would have had a couple more, you know? It's, I'm always surprised. Isn't kind of the hush-hush rumor that, like, a lot of that stuff is just cobbled together? A lot of those dinosaurs, those old dinosaurs, especially from in the old exhibits in London and all that, a lot of that's just, like, <laughs> elephant bones and shit. <laughs> People cobbled that shit together. More more closely related with an uh, erector set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know... Maybe some very tall guy. Yeah, I don't know, but they got all kinds. I don't know. the The whole that whole world is so odd because, first of all, to even get into it at a professional level is it's such a specialized, and I have to say, it's probably a really boring job being a paleontologist. Uh, probably spend most of your time just it, the most exciting thing you probably ever get to do is digging in the dirt. Other than that, it must just be archiving and researching and writing papers and yeah it was it turns out it was not very jurassic park uh well you know i bet the people that make the dino names have a really good time 
I I would imagine they probably they get excited. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's like a bunch of guys in togas because it's all in Latin. Yep. Well, I uh, unless you want to take a guess on what they ended up calling these two T Rexes, I'll hit you with my last clip. Mm, the, uh, nah, go for it. Now, is this enough evidence to suggest that the Tyrannosaurus genus evolved from one species into two over time? This team seems to think so. They do acknowledge that the T-Rex could have just come in way more shapes and sizes than might be expected for other species. Still, based on both the differences between fossils and the differences over time, the team proposed adding two additional species to join the ranks of the T-Rex, named T. imperator and T. regina. T. imperator refers to the OG Tyrannosaurus, which eventually evolved into the Rex and the Regina species. So, you know, why worry about one Tyrannosaurus when you can have three? I can see the Jurassic Park writers just going for it right now. They're very excited. Yeah, he said Regina. <laughs> <laughs> I think Regina is, is like a female version of King in Latin. That is correct. This is the terrible queen. Tyrannosaurus. Okay, okay. Terrible lizard queen. Hmm. So now, Tyrannical lizard queen. Now, when uh, <laughs> when I want to talk about the fucking lizard queen, I can be like, listen, I, my, my thoughts are backed by science. Look, here's people practicing science. See? Lizard queen exists. Check that yeah. out. How do you like yeah. that? That's mm-hmm. science. You're not following the science. If you're saying that a lizard queen doesn't exist, guess what? That's a very unscientific thing to say. And turns out that there are a couple of people disputing these claims. Uh, they kind of briefly touched that in the clip. Uh, let's see here. This comes from the... Uh, he's a professor and personal uh, chair of paleontology and evolution at the University of Edinburgh Sto- uh, School of Geosciences. And his name is... Steve Brusate, and he said, I understand the temptation to divide T Rex into different species because there is some variation in the fossil bones that we have. But ultimately, to me, this variation is very minor and not indicative of meaningful biological separation or of distinct species that can be defined based on clear, explicit, consistent differences. Dividing the T-Rex into three species based on measurements from 38 bones just isn't a strong enough case for me. So here is my question for you. Which one here is questioning the science? Is it the people going out and measuring all these bones, or is it dudes like Brusate here? Well, I mean, in a perfect world, it would be all of them. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I shared this question with this guy, which is how many samples of bones do they have? How many T Rexes have they found, and in what condition were they? You know, were they, and how many? How much of the the corpse or the you know the skeleton were you able to recover? And and how how many examples of each of these different species do you have? And blah, blah, blah. like, what's the sample size? Where where are all the bones? Show me the bones. Show me the science. That's what I'm saying. I got another link to a study. I didn't really get into this one, but it's from uh, Thomas Carr. And uh, I just dropped that one in the chats, which you can go over to behindtheschemes.com slash green room. 
And there's a chat room that you can go in there and hang out. And there's all sorts of crazy motherfuckers in there that we have a good time with. It's a lot of fun. Oh, look at this. This is a real honest to God, peer reviewed paper. Uh, one of the conclusions was based on variations in T-Rex skeletons published, or excuse me, this study published in 2020 did not reveal different species uh, based off of Damn. the variations in T-Rex fossils. This is really interesting. I really want to see <laughs> it so much, but I, I have to put this aside and I have to check this out later and actually go through some of this data. This is fun. So yeah, it's the cool. Tyrannosaurus Imperator, uh, which is the Tyrant Lizard Emperor, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, the Tyrant Lizard King, and then lastly, Tyrannosaurus Regina, Tyrant <laughs> Lizard Queen. Oh, you're so sexist today. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, hey, man, I've been in Regina once, okay? <laughs> Saskatchewan? Yes, that one too. <laughs> You've been to both Reginas? Yes. Wow. Showing Look up. At you, man about town. Oh, yeah. I get around. I know what Oh, it, my goodness. I know, I, know this, man. I know how this works. I've been around. <laughs> been around the block. <laughs> well, that's cool. So we have, we officially have two new classifications of T Rex other than the original. Cl- classification which now is not the original now this new classification that isn't the regina one is the original yes that's what he, that's what he said that's what the man on the in the in my ear hole said <laughs> uh what's his name uh not john green adam green is that the science one i, I can't adam remember. green hmm. yeah i think <clears throat> i think it's adam hmm yes uh, cool. I got another, actually, I got two stories here, kind of slapped together for a little bit of moon coverage, which moon should be a good coverage? time. Yeah, yeah, man. Quote, unquote, moon I got coverage. two stories about the moon. Two. Mm. Uh, scientists think an old rocket just hit the moon. This past, oh. this past Friday, scientists believe a, a a rocket hurtling through space crash landed on the moon. Uh, Grant said no one actually saw the crash and there are no photos, but it was predicted and calculated. The, the, the traje- trajectory was, that is. Were they tracking this thing? E- there was one scientist, Bill Gray, uh, he, who was an astronomer. I forget where he works. I think he might have been like a, a volunteer, not a volunteer astronomer. Um, I, I don't remember if he worked at an observatory or not. Mm. Uh, let's see mm-hmm. here. So they were tracking it and they're like, oh, this thing's going to. Yeah, it weighed about uh, four tons and was traveling at 9,300 kilometers per hour. And uh, at that rate, the resulting crater would have been 10 to 20 meters wide on the moon. Uh, From Bill Gray, quotes, we had lots and lots of tracking data for the object, and there is nothing acting on it except the forces of gravity and sunlight. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, 
Unless the object was removed by an occult hand, it hit the moon this morning. What? Yes, he said, unless an occult hand moved the rocket out of space. Uh Oh, you son of a bitch. You're yeah. just trying to rile up my jimmies, aren't you? I don't, I'm going to get all up in your jimmies. I'm going to count Jim. one by one. There's James. one jimmy. Two oh, jimmy. God. Three jimmy. Four so jimmy. Many Jameses. <laughs> uh, let's see here. He, uh, this being Bill Gray, believed at first it was a SpaceX rocket. But he... Because they've up- been launching a ton of those all over the place. SpaceX has been littering the sky with rockets lately. They got to, man. They got to make that money. They got to make that, that uh, what is it called? The low orbit satellite <laughs> program they got. Uh, Starlink. 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 Yeah. Uh, eventually, space though, junk. He, uh, he changed his mind and he believed it to be a booster of the, um, and I'm not sure if this was a mis or a, a typo on the actual article, but it was a Chang apostrophe E uh, 5-T1 which was a spaceship or excuse me a rocket launched in 2014 uh, from China China yeah fucking China and there's no I guess there's no group that keeps tabs on space junk and Beijing ended up denying that it was their rocket they said that their rocket, quote unquote, safely re-entered the atmosphere. And uh, keep your eyes out for photos. They'll be coming along in a few months as there are two orbiters going around the moon that can snag a couple of photos. And this would be the first oh. unintentional crash on the moon. Would we be able to... Well, I mean, 20 meters isn't very large, but... Is it on the dark side of the moon, or is it on the light side of the moon? I would have to imagine it would be on the low. Unless the moon, like, was orbiting around and swung into the moon, or excuse me, swung into the rocket, it could, like, hit it on the side, but I would have to imagine it would be landing on the the, uh, side facing us. The light side. The light side. I mean, you never know, the... It obviously got caught in the moon's gravitational pull and got, uh, I mean, if they're tracking it, I wonder, did this thing just kind of like do a head-on sort of trajectory or did it orbit around the moon (laughs) a little bit before it crashed onto it? Or, I mean, what kind of, this is all stuff that's fascinating. Head-on, apply directly to moon. (laughs) Do not pass go, do not go to moon. Yeah. Uh, I love it. And uh Orbital maybe physics people. Maybe if you get lucky enough, you'll be uh you'll be able to buy the plot of land that the rocket landed on. Because oh. the uh Adam Smith Institute, uh named after the famous philo- uh, British philosopher who claims invisible hands guided the market. How weird mm-hmm, is that? Mm-hmm. We got two articles. One references occult hands. The other one invisible hands. Talking about the <laughs> moon. Adam Smith. That's funny. Mm-hmm. They, the uh, invisible hand works in uh, invisible, mysterious ways. The uh, It's an economic think tank 
and they release a paper called Space Invaders, Property Rights uh, on the Moon. Uh, Rebecca Lowe, the author, argues that we should split up the moon between nations to either sell off or rent out the property to citizens. To do what? What know. are you going to do? Move there? Space vacay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, grow some fucking potatoes. Like, what are you, you going to do with it? Uh, have it in your family for generations. Like, what, I don't know. What a funny deal. Well, I guess. And also, fuck them. We're trying to, trying to like. Did we learn nothing? Have we learned nothing? The um, I guess the uh, let's see here. I'm checking back through my notes here. Um. So there was a treaty signed in 1967. It was the United Nations Outer Space Treaty, which bans uh, outer space or owning space property. <laughs> it's owning outlawed. space property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They treated it like uh, maritime law type of thing, basically. It's yeah. like, and uh, yeah. the, I guess and, the, but the, they. Sorry. Well, I'm just saying they gave the treaty. I mean, it's a terrible treaty too. They gave this the indigenous peoples on the moon like five sets of beads. And uh, I'm sorry, please continue. I was making a bad joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they were making this argument. Uh, Adam Smith Institute specifically was making the argument uh, in future preparations for more available space travel. And they're like, well, we should figure it out now, uh, sooner rather than later. Well, why don't you... That's so dumb. You gotta at least get people there on a regular basis. Shit, we haven't even been there since they quote-unquote went there in 69. This is very true. It is very incredibly true. NASA's gone on the record. Didn't that one spokesperson for NASA say that they don't, quote, have the technology, end quote, to go to the moon? Moon landing. Fake! You know? Mm-hmm. Get in the van, Alan. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 72, says Cotton Gin. Yeah, they went to the moon a couple times. It, it wasn't just the Apollo 11 mission where they went. They went a couple times. And then they lost all the requisite paperwork, and then the uh, Columbus blew up. Mm-hmm. Or um, Columbia, Columbia. So the the uh, this article that I was reading from was from uh, Futurism, and they compared this to the African land grab, where a bunch of outside countries decided how they were going to split up this oh, hu- huge uh, hunk of land. Yeah, the 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 great African. Um, Conquest by Europe. Um, it's very similar. It is extremely similar. Yep. And and then okay, so futurism is is feigning all this out- outrage, right? About like, oh, could you believe people would have the audacity to suggest that we should, you know, uh, sell off like property on the moon? Like, oh, it's just like it's so all oligarchical or whatever the fuck, right? And then yeah. they turn around and say. Uh, but this makes some sort of abstract sense. <laughs> when other people do it, it's evil. But if but, we do it, but, then it won't be evil. <laughs> and I noticed in that uh, in that uh, science clip that we were playing about the T Rex, the 
middle, or excuse me, the, yeah, the middle clip, he, he goes, but, twice, within but. 30 seconds, yeah, it's pretty funny. I know it's a bad idea, I know it's immoral, I know that it's not a good thing, I know that it's not the right thing to do, but, it's us, so we're gonna do it right. Yeah, so I got the full docu- document, it's saved in the show notes, uh, I was kind of poking through it, but a lot of it's like the, you know, a quote-unquote moral argument, how, how would you be able to pass this off equitably? And equally, and all that jazz. So, if you want to check it out, it's down in the middle of the show notes under the heading of Space Invaders. I'm going to pelt them with moon rocks. <laughs> That's a good one. Let's see. Do I have that one handy? Ducky just uh, referenced it in the chat. I know Fletcher sent me that at some point. I don't know where it went, though. Please. I know I have no control over it. Please. Just one. I just need one. Aqua Teen. Oh, one? Anyone? Anyone will do. Anyone? Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Oh, sweet, delicious light. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, just Thank you. a thousand of my eggs inside of his esophagus. Uh, you know, I need to propagate my species, and it's being a baby about it. <laughs> baby about it. <laughs> John nice. H. Rolling in the Benjamins. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You're on a roll tonight. Hey, thank you. So are you. All right. Uh, so I did promise at the end of uh, let's see, John H. Rolling in the Benjamins. I was writing that one down. Oh <laughs> uh, boy! I don't have a I don't have a fancy stomp box, unfortunately. Maybe stomp someday. Box. Is that what Adam Curry has? It's what a stomp uh, box. No, nah, it's what um, Abel and Cold Acid use. To, oh, those those fucking nerds! <laughs> Nerd alert! Fucking nerds! Um, but yes, so I got that written down. Oh, I suppose we should hit the simple sabotage field manual. Oh, of course, yes. So this was a document uh, released by the OSS, of course, famous for being the precursor to our lovely CIA. Uh, what does OSS stand for? The you know? Office of uh, Office of Strategy and Security. The Office of Super Secrets. Oh, Office of Super Secrets. Oh, oh <laughs> that's not just secret. That's super secret. What <laughs> <laughs> to tell you a secret? <laughs> Shh, don't tell me I'm in the OSS. I can't tell you. Super secret. Uh, sorry. Nah, so the occupational good. safety and, or I'm sorry, no, the uh, the Office of Security and Strategic Services. Strategic Services. Office of Strategic. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was trying to look, to look it up on my browser, of course, as, uh, as Frozen. Um, typical. Typical. Yeah, man. I luck today. My fucking luck. <laughs> Let me tell you about my fucking luck today. Uh, I'm going to hit you with my I first clip. That the windows freeze in Minnesota. And this is a brief summary of the type of skills that we will be 
be uh, learning tonight. Slashing tires, draining fuel tanks, starting fires, starting arguments, acting stupidly, short-circuiting electric systems, abrading machine parts will waste materials, manpower, and time. Occurring on a wide scale, simple sabotage will be a constant and tangible drag on the war effort of the enemy. Basically, be as much of a bumbling, useless asshole as you can in order to bring down enemy morale. Oh God! I f- spilled this gasoline on your oh, on your transmit on your transmitter. I oh oh no! You're I, out of power now. I, Let me put that out with this oil. Oh no! I shit! I accidentally got sand in the hydraulics lines. I I don't even know how this happens. Oh my God! And I lost the tools. I lost the tools to fix it. Oh my God! I I forgot to stock the bathrooms full of toilet paper. How could I be so forgetful? Oh my. God, I totally forgot to to turn off the pipes. The, the the pipes burst. Everything froze. Oh shit! Your whole fucking thing's done. Sorry, I forgot. I totally forgot. Yeah, that's so. This is a. It's a pretty fun document. It's a fun read. Um, I've got a LibriVox recording linked if you'd like the audio oh, version. I love LibriVox. I'm reading the Grant memoirs through LibriVox. Oh, cool. Um. Uh, and that's where all these clips are coming from, or the uh, the LibriVox recording. This uh, is a LibriVox recording. His arsenal is the kitchen shelf, the trash pile. <laughs> 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So my next clip gets into uh, how to reverse your thinking, because being this bumbling, incompetent asshole is not man's uh natural place that they want to be it's hard to be that dumb the saboteur may have to reverse his thinking and he should be told this in so many words where he formerly thought of keeping his tools sharp he should now let them grow dull surfaces that formerly were lubricated should now be sanded normally diligent he should now be lazy and careless and so on once he is encouraged to think backwards about himself and the objects of his everyday life the saboteur will see many opportunities in his immediate environment which cannot possibly be seen from a distance. Hmm. Yep. I sure mean, this isn't just how people like behave in life. Well, I mean, what? Look at what what came of the OSS. They figured uh, something out. <laughs> they certainly did. And it looks like a uh, double thought in the chats is familiar with it. Hey, there's a, there's been a, I, I I mean even the uh, art of manliness wrote an article on it. Uh, back talking in, about manly p. No, or the, the art of manliness. No, 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 no. The art of manliness wrote an article in the simple sabotage manual. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. Uh, next clip is, uh, it seems like some insider shit. Anything. This is like, I feel like military guys probably know all about this, mm. but, but civvies don't. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, (laughs) I actually, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on the limb and say that this is indeed medical advice. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm living on the edge. Your disclaimer (laughs) won't save you here, my friend. Uh, I don't know how much of this would still be valid on on the accounts of how much surveillance there is. 
I mean, if you run around and like try and ruin, um, what's one of the ones they talk about? Uh, like, you know, you could go out and puncture a hole in tires of enemy vehicles, but you can do a whole lot more damage if you go and ruin the uh, rubber vats where they're molding the tires, right? Mm-hmm. It's about how much you can do on a mass scale to cause the utmost inconvenience. <laughs> mm, that's right. Fuck them up at a manufacturing level. But you know what, man? It's more it's it's more than malicious mischief. Simple sabotage is more than malicious mischief, and it should always consist of acts whose results will be detrimental to the materials and manpower of the enemy. The saboteur should be ingenious in using his everyday equipment. All sorts of weapons will present themselves if he looks at his surroundings in a different light. For example, emery dust at first may seem unobtainable, but if the saboteur were to pulverize an emery knife sharpener or emery wheel with a hammer, he would find himself with a plentiful supply. And that would fuck some shit up. Let me tell you what. A what? What powder? Emery dust, like a knife sharpener. Emery dust. Oh, so just like metallic dust? Uh, I'm not actually sure. Let's let's see. Emery dust. Emery dust. I'm going to admit right openly that I have no clue what the fuck that is. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Emery dust. Yeah, I'm a, I might need some help here because none of my searches are coming back with anything. Emery is a dark granular rock used to make an abrasive powder. So, it, okay, so it's not, it's not so metallic, what, but it's... It's used uh, to sharpen knives and shit. Uh, calcite. Uh, corundum. Oh, diamond I dust. See. Oh, these are different types of abrasives. Uh oh, I'm sorry. So emery was used in antiquity, while diamond dust is used today. So it's a highly, um, highly coarse material that will just chew away at shit. Basically, it's probably the perfect pocket sand. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> pocket emery. This, like, this is this is a shisha. This is the good stuff, the high quality. Uh, crushed or naturally, it's, a, it's an abrasive, emery boards, emery cloth. I mean, oh, I'm sure that interesting. these guys... Oh, metal fillings? Uh, Bully Steve points out emery boards are, uh, for nail files. For nail files. Yeah. Hmm. Aluminum oxide? Hmm. Aluminum oxide, this is interesting. See, this is a whole new school of uh, sabotage I need, to, I need to figure out. These emery... Uh, Emery sands, but yeah, definitely could probably sharpen something. Uh, maybe, maybe sharpen something. It's got a pretty high grit, probably, but or a low grit, I should say. Um, but yep, it'll fuck up your eyes. <laughs> you throw that in your eyes, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be happy. <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, this next clip is a. It's a little longer, but it's. It's uh it's very interesting in the regards of if you ever need to create a slow burn fuse this is uh this is for you fire 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 <laughs> warehouses barracks offices hotels and factory buildings are outstanding targets for simple sabotage they are extremely susceptible to damage especially by fire they offer opportunities to such untrained people as janitors, charwomen, and casual visitors. And when damaged, they present a relatively large handicap to the enemy. Fires can be started wherever there is an accumulation of inflammable material. Warehouses are obviously the most promising targets, 
but incendiary sabotage need not be confined to them alone. Whenever possible, arrange to have the fire start after you have gone away. Use a candle and paper combination, setting it as close as possible to the inflammable material you want to burn. From a sheet of paper, tear a strip three or four centimeters wide and wrap it around the base of the candle two or three times. Twist more sheets of paper into loose ropes and place them around the base of the candle. When the candle flame reaches the encircling strip, it will be ignited and in turn will ignite the surrounding paper. The size, heat, and duration of the resulting flame will depend on how much paper you use and how much of it you can cram into a small space. To make another type of simple fuse, soak one end of a piece of string in grease. Rub a generous pinch of gunpowder over the inch of string where greasy string meets clean string. Then ignite the clean end of the string. It will burn slowly without a flame, in much the same way that a cigarette burns, until it reaches the grease and gunpowder. It will then flare up suddenly. The grease-treated string will then burn with a flame. The same effect may be achieved by using matches instead of the grease and gunpowder. Run the string over the match heads, taking care that the string is not pressed or knotted. They too will produce a sudden flame. The advantage of this type of fuse is that the string burns at a set speed. You can time your flame by the length and thickness of the string you choose. Use a fuse such as the one suggested above to start a fire in an office after hours. The destruction of records and other types of documents would be a serious handicap to the enemy. Fire! 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 <laughs> All about fuses, baby. Mm, that's good to know. Get some, of that, know. get some of that grease rolling. <laughs> Crumble it in some salad. <laughs> Talking about Bulgarian fuses? Yeah. Fuseroni. Mm. Crumble it in some bombs, bombs. Crumble it in some bombs. Crumble it. <laughs> Very important. It's a kaboom. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> was, there's something so cool about being able to make explosives and and things from just everyday objects. <clears throat> there's just something so cool about it. Well, I will go out and say that this manual specifically says not to step outside of your lane. So if you don't specifically know anything about explosives, maybe don't go and play with uh, explosives. Well, you should do your homework. And yes. uh, in this day and age, there's plenty of other resources that you can use. Yes. There's plenty more books that have been written on this subject. I mean, shit. They said that in the you know in the book Fight Club, he had to like change some of the recipes to other shit because he didn't really want to show people how to make napalm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God, <laughs> but he, but he could. Uh, <laughs> it's not that hard. You really can make that shit with over the counter um, components. Uh, what is it? It's a uh, uh, styrofoam and gasoline, if I'm not mistaken. Styrofoam and gasoline. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is, but that sounds about right. Styrofoam yeah. and gasoline. And like, it makes like a sticky fuel that will just uh, <laughs> ruin your day. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something just stupid, explosive. and or no, I'm sorry, not explosive. Flammable and something that just will not go away. You get that on your hand or whatever. and Yeah. So you'll, gone. you'll sound like this guy. I'm on fire! Yeah, napalm, baby. How are you going to build up baby. an immunity to fire if you don't expose yourself yeah. to fire? Yeah. 
Uh, we should yeah. we should cool off. I'm getting a little hot in here talking about all this flame. Oh, very well. Let's cool ourselves. Yes, indeed. So we have ways of sabotaging with fire. What ways do we have of sabotaging with water? Forget to provide paper in toilets. Put tightly rolled paper, hair, and other obstructions in the WC. Saturate a sponge with a thick starch or sugar solution. Squeeze it tightly into a ball. Wrap it with string and dry. Remove the string when fully dried. The sponge will be in the form of a tight, hard ball. Flush down a WC or otherwise introduce into a sewer line. The sponge will gradually expand to its normal size and plug the sewage system. Put a coin beneath a bulb in a public building during the daytime so that the fuses will blow out when the lights are turned on at night. The fuses themselves may be rendered ineffective by putting a coin behind them or loading them with heavy wire. Then a short circuit may either start a fire damage transformers, or blow out a central fuse, which will interrupt distribution of electricity to a large area. Sorry, it did end up rolling into uh, different ways you could fuck with the electricity, and just kind of combine them into one. Uh, But how about balling up a sponge? I've never heard of that one before. I've heard of, like, cherry bombs and shit, but... What do you... What do you... It's... That is a good idea. I like that. Just spoke. Just soak a sponge in explosive material. That's it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think you would have. It would still. Uh, it would. You'd still have to introduce some sort of. I guess. Uh, not uh, I, like a reactant or something to the sponge inside of the pipe, surrounded by water and poo, in order mm-hmm. to get it to explode. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it could be done. Yeah, it's got to be a way. You can fill it with uh, Mentos or whatever. <laughs> in, and then, in, uh, you know, Diet Coke, yeah. Diet Coke. You can make a Diet Coke bomb. Now, I'm going to play you my personal favorite series of simple methods of sabotaging. These are the ways that you can sabotage entertainment. And if you remember back in the day, there was only a handful. <laughs> What's there to sabotage? Yeah, you got movies, radio, maybe theaters, but I don't think they did anything about the actual theatrical pr- uh, productions. They haven't sabotaged the theater since World War II. Oh, let's see here. Sodium, like lithium and potassium, is flammable when uh, when they come in contact with water. And I'm going to leave that... Uh, <laughs> That uh, tip anonymous. <laughs> That's <laughs> definitely not medical advice. <laughs> Protect their identity, <laughs> but you know who you are. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So this is uh, this is how to fuck up some entertainment. Projector operators can ruin newsreels and other enemy propaganda films by bad focusing, speeding up or slowing down the film, and by causing frequent breakage in the film. Audiences can ruin enemy propaganda films by applauding to drown the words of the speaker by coughing loudly, and by talking. Anyone can break up a showing of an enemy propaganda film by putting two or three dozen large moths in a bag. Take the bag to the movies with you. Put it on the floor in an empty section of the theater as you go in and leave it open. The moths will fly out and climb into the projector beam so that the film will be obscured by fluttering shadows. Radio. Station engineers will find it quite easy to overmodulate transmissions of talks by persons giving enemy propaganda or instructions 
so that they will sound as if they were talking through a heavy cotton blanket with a mouthful of marbles. In your own apartment building, you can interfere with radio reception at times when the enemy wants everybody to listen. Take an electric light plug off the end of an electric light cord. Take some wire out of the cord and tie it across two terminals of a two-prong plug, or three terminals of a four-prong plug. Then take it around and put it into as many wall and floor outlets as you can find. Each time you insert the plug into a new circuit, you will blow out a fuse and silence all radios running on power from that circuit until a new fuse is put in. Damaging insulation on any electrical equipment tends to create radio interference in the immediate neighborhood, particularly on large generators, neon signs, fluorescent lighting, x-ray machines, and power lines. If workmen can damage insulation on a high-tension line near an enemy airfield, they will make ground-to-plane radio communications difficult and perhaps impossible during long periods of the day. That's right, everybody. Actually, you know, to be completely fair, I I do kind of want to try gathering up a couple of really big moths, collect them over a couple of nights, and then go check out a movie. Anyone can break up a showing of an enemy propaganda film by putting two or three dozen large moths in a bag. And let I've them seen fly. this in a movie. I've seen this. Is this in Strange Brew? Do they do this in Strange Brew? I am not sure. I'm, I'm not familiar. I, I know of the movie, but I haven't seen it. The, in Strange Brew, they do. I know because they do the rat, the mouse in a bottle trick. Their whole thing in Strange Brew, which is a great movie, Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, is they're always doing these like rackets. And I feel like I've seen this in a movie where someone's like, yeah, if you go to the movie and you, you pay for the movie and you pay for all your snacks and shit, and then you release the moths in the theater, <laughs> then you can go and complain to the theater and get a refund or something. <laughs> 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 Service suggests we gather 200 to 300 gypsy moths. I don't think you can say that anymore. That's so racist, Servo. That's the most racist thing I've heard all month. It permanently infect the movie theater with fabric-eating moths. I've never, we've never offended moths before, but now we have. Oh wow! And we're in trouble. Yeah, they prefer to be called uh, Romanian moths. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so to close us out on this fabulous journey, uh, do you feel like you've learned a lot tonight, Lavish? Absolutely. I always learn so much hanging out with you, Mr. Booberry. I we, love we, it. We cover so much ground, so much territory. Uh, bigly, bigly territory. My last clip here, this, this sounds like something the general human experience picked up on and ran with the human experience the human experience uh, like the, the human the, experience yes the, the 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 human slipstream like the the through line that connects us all the Pick, force the force yes the force figured out how to run a bureau a barack bureauc- i can't even say the fucking word bureaucracy and uh be bureaucratic organizations and conferences one Insist on doing everything through channels. Never permit shortcuts to be taken in order to expedite decisions. 2. Make speeches. Talk as frequently what? as possible and at great length. Ill- what? 
Uh, make speeches. Make oh. speeches. I like that. Basically, just waste everybody's time. <laughs> Talk as frequently as possible and at great length. Illustrate your points by Twitter. long anecdotes and accounts hmm? of personal experience. Twitter. Never hesitate to make a few appropriate patriotic comments. Three, when possible, refer all matters to committees for further study and consideration. Attempt to make the committees as large as possible, never less than five. Four, bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Five, haggle over precise <laughs> wordings of communications, minutes, resolutions. Six, Refer back to matters decided upon at the last meeting and attempt to reopen the question of the advisability of that decision. Seven, advocate caution. Be reasonable and urge your fellow conferees to be reasonable and avoid haste which might result in embarrassment or difficulties later on. Eight, be worried about the propriety of any decision. Raise the question of whether such action as is contemplated lies within the jurisdiction of the group or whether it might conflict with the policy of some higher echelon. And that's the uh, BTS treatment of the Simple Sabotage field manual. If you would like to go and read it for yourself, of course, we got it linked in our show notes. Down there towards the middle, it for your viewing pleasure. Yes, and you can view it for your pleasure. Mm. Uh, but we see it in the chat that says that this is called the Seattle Process, or the Seattle Process, if you're weird. And according to this Wikipedia page... It's a procedural, political procedure from Seattle, King County. Uh, I'm trying to see if this is dialogue, deliberation, participation, municipal introspection before making any decision. And uh, Servo, you can't spell that word without mental. <laughs> oh, circular consultation that never reaches a decision. That's what it is. So every town meeting ever. Mm. It's just gross back to shoving sponges into toilets <laughs> yeah we need to go back to blowing up electrical sockets people we need to go back to basics back to basics indeed uh how about some scream mails and then we'll hit some uh, intermission how would you like 420 karma uh sounds good to Bam, me. oh motherfucker. shit <laughs> oh shit <laughs> So no four twenty comma chuga denalia. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh how about um one of these screen mails then? Played those two. Uh so this is our first one from tonight. Uh here we go. Do it. Hey, how you doing? Uh, it's me. Thanks for calling. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait to see you. Uh... Wow. Can't wait to see you either, caller. Oh. I think we just saw you. Mm, we see you. We just saw. We see really you. you. Uh, the only thing that I, the, I guess my final thought on that. I think that's how, how the Mothman comes. That's right. Scientifically proven. <laughs> Carolyn Blaney follows the science. Yes. I, I can't think of someone else that, that follows the science harder. You know? Than Carplane's 33. She's something 33. of a scientist herself. 
She's <laughs> Carolyn's got the greatest hypotheses. <laughs> you know, the best ever. Best ever. The great. Joe, his hypotheses are good. Ours are better. They're the best. <laughs> Fucking greatest of all time. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, this is a uh, John. Great job, Carolyn. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> Here's our uh, next one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, hit me that one, one more time. Hit me that one more time. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the Robert Plant scream. Hit me one more time. I gotta hear that a third time. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's it. Oh, good call. Good call. I like that. It's a good call. Uh-huh. He, did the, he did the Robert Plant scream. Nice. Oh, I wonder. Uh, either this caller is really good at impersonations, or he is well connected. Hmm. Or all both. Oh, indeed. Um, uh-huh. So I got two more in the can, but I think we're going to save those bad bitches. Save them? Save them? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. It's, fuck it's it. a marathon, not a sprint, my friend. Fuck it. We'll save it live. Save it live. Uh, I got to smoke a big fat bowl in your honor. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, during the intermission, of course. Not. Are you... Not because <laughs> it's not like I do that. Are we? Uh, were you feeling good for this? Then we'll take our intermission. Just give me. Uh, yeah, just uh, let me. Uh, give me uh, just one. Um... I will say <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be a fun one tonight. I've I've got high hopes for it. We'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk a little. We'll see. We'll see how this one goes, and we'll discuss it uh, once we come back for the second second half of Behind the Schemes episode. 88 excuse me 87 oh. that's right Man. that's right can't get okay. the words fast out or fast enough out of my mouth tonight holy shit can't fast the words out of my mouth ouch <clears throat> i am ready uh if you if you're ready to throw in that that vhs yes i will in 612-263-7999 that would be the perfect time to call Doing it live, baby.
Welcome back to second second half of Behind the Schemes. This is episode eighty seven, and it is still March seventh, twenty twenty two. That's right. It is currently uh, nine thirty p.m. on the Pacific Coast in the bereft land, in the dark, sad wasteland. <laughs> and then we also have it being eleven thirty on the Central Coast. 
where there is a lot of coastline on the central coast. You have a lot of great lakes. So yes. Yes, this is true. This is very there's, true. There's plenty of coastline there, and the lakes are so great that they might as well be oceans because you can't see across them. Um, and then you've got the the East Coast. The Beast Coast, as some call it, you know, some, some call it that. Where it is now, in fact, according to science, March 8th, 2022. That's right. It was midnight in their sewer about a half hour ago. <laughs> yes, and uh, for tonight's intermission, uh, Lavish actually DJed that live, because at about 9.52 tonight, I realized that I never... Asked if he would be interested in doing this week's intermission, and I didn't do it myself. We got a <laughs> we got a lot of plates that we're spinning at the moment, so that's okay. We, yeah, we did it live because you know that's that's how it's got to be sometimes. But I think we're gonna we'll probably just make a few backups for in the future. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea actually. We you, each have like a couple standbys. You know, there was one point uh, in my musings, I was like, man, it would be cool to like do all of the show prep you know months in advance <laughs> so mm-hmm. so we already know what we're talking about you know three weeks ahead of schedule but uh that's not really the way the cookie crumbles yeah <laughs> we know unless we unless we were to decide a topic and we were to research that topic but even then I, you know, I did have it a sizable a time sink. I had a sizable bank of uh, like uh, opening material and, and closing tracks. I just I kind of burned through it all, so mm-hmm. I'll just have to spend some more time trying to build it back up. You got to build back, um, build back batter. butter, uh, batter, batter, build back batter, build, build back, back your batter. batter, yeah, or or build back batter, build back butter. Just when, the, I, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> Does it sound anything like The Godfather? <laughs> That's my Joe Biden impression. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> That's Joe Biden doing The Godfather. I got you. I got you. Oh, uh, we have a couple of freak of hazards that we should thank for tonight. Yes, indeed. We are a value-for-value production, which means that we don't have any commercials. We don't have any ads. We don't have any corporate sponsors, and that is the only way. That's the only way that we want to operate. It's way more fun that way. We hate doing commercials. Hate commercials, but that we get a lot more freedom over what we get to talk about when we uh, operate on this model. And uh, we are supported by all kinds of fantastic producers all over the world. All over. All over. All over the world. Um, we have touched millions by this point. <laughs> and we hope to touch millions more uh, <laughs> all over the world. Um, we have infiltrated your governments. <laughs> we have people in cabinets all over the world. We have the Trudeau. We have the Putin. <laughs> <laughs> What a scheme that would be. It turns out that Justin Trudeau is actually, in fact, a BTS boy. <laughs> oh, no. I was that, that anybody doesn't know. You got to look up my boy. Everybody knows Klaus. Everyone knows my good boy, Klaus. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we totally went off the rail there. We're a value for value production, and that 
And the people who contribute to the show are producers and uh, very special producers that we tend to call freaks of hazards because uh, they're hazardously, dangerously fantastic. And we're going to thank him right now. Yes, and coming in first is uh, Turbo Faggot. He went through the PayPal and set up a monthly donation of $5.33. 533. Ooh, I like it. I love those five numbers, everybody. And the 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 monthly subscriptions are truly phenomenal. Um, and Lavish and I were talking about it. Once we get to the point um, where the monthly donations kind of cover the general cost of upkeep for the show, I, I think that's the direction that we'll move. Uh, yeah. Yeah, these monthly donations are, are incredible. They're perfect for for just being able to help us Pay literally just keep the lights on as far as this whole operation is concerned. Yes, indubitably. And um, you know, it's very much appreciated. We've got a couple out there, Fletcher, Quaffy, uh Turbo Fagant now, and I think uh Foxfur from last week, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh you know what? I'm gonna share y'all with a little bit of black light. Ugh. Ooh, Turbo, you might oh want yeah, to hop out of that seat, bud. Oh, my God. That's, uh, That's God. terrifying. We, we should really, we should really, uh, see if we can't get somebody in here with some. We should just burn <laughs> this fucking place down and build a whole new, I don't know, I don't know. That's, yes, you do know. Fire, 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 fire. <laughs> uh, who do we have coming in next? Um. And in the value-for-value value model, it's not just uh, monetary donations. It's uh, according to the Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak model. It's time, treasure, or talent. And Tunta uh, donated some of his time for a, a brief note. He sent an email in saying, I'm not, uh, I'm not good with sats, but it looks to me like a 2 to 3% mortality risk from the Pfizer clinical study. Uh, release that just came out. Uh, Two to three percent mortality risk. Mm. And I, I want to say there was. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm either get, gonna get it right or totally fuck up the number. But it was either fifteen thousand people or one hundred and fifty thousand people. I don't remember. Uh, so I, I kind of poked through this. I did not get super deep into it because at this point there's just so much going on and um i don't i don't know what else to that there is to say about the the vaccinations i mean i'm not that it would it would make sense but you know at the end of the day they're just going to keep releasing these files and we'll keep finding uh little stats like that and um oh look at this uh let's see 33 33 was right here on this page that I was looking at. Caught my eye. The uh, cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse event reports. Um, And there was an unknown uh, quantity of uh, 1,498, of which 33 were serious. So there's some sort of uh, adverse effects. Awful. I I haven't really looked into any of that stuff yet, but I'm not surprised. I did, however, look into a certain chart 
that I just dropped in the chat that I saw on the social today. Uh, it was the New Zealand mortality uh, rates and story that uh, he basically looked at a chart going back to, oh, 2018. So that's what, a five-year chart at this point, basically, four-year chart. And it goes over four years of spikes. And all of the COVID spikes correlate with a dip a lot of the time in, in overall more, uh, mortality. Can, do you actually have the show notes open at the moment? Yeah. Can you scroll down to that PDF? It's, uh, it's the first one that's listed. I want you to open that. I want you to scroll all the way down to page 30, Appendix 1. And I want you to start reading that list of uh, adverse events of special interest to me. I, uh, I'm kind of looking for it here. You can just scroll down to the bottom. It shows up page 30. It'll be hard to miss. Page 30? Yep. Page 30 on the substack? Where, where would it be on page 30 on the substack? The first PDF that I linked, it's, uh, it's in Tunes' uh, note. It's at the very top. It's at the very top? Yes. It's the uh, first PDF that I linked there. Oh, Servo sent it. There you go. You're talking about in the chat? Uh, Servo just posted it. It's it's in the it's okay, in the sub stack. Okay. It's um, in the chat now. And I gotta find a reader now. Okay, here we go. Let's yeah. do this. Um yeah, I just it's you a post okay. And I'm going to page thirty. Okay, I'm at page thirty. Yep. And there's the list of adverse events that they found in their in their uh trials. Ooh. Jesus. It is a wall of text. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, nine pages long of side effects experience. There's uh, no paragraphs. It is just one continual list. <laughs> Not even spaces between the words. Yeah. It's just literally eight pages of pure wall of text of, of all kinds of things that happen to you. All kinds of disastrous effects this thing has on you. Wow. Cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse events. Event reports. Ugly. Cerebral gas embolism. Ugh. Um. Cerebral venous thrombosis. Ugh. Renal embolism. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Relapsing multiple sclerosis. Uh. Stillbirth is listed in here. Stiff leg syndrome. Stiff person syndrome. Rheumatoid arthritis. Oh. Jesus, it just does not stop. Uh, Zika virus-associated Zika virus Guillain-Barre syndrome. Muscular sarcoidosis. Vocal cord uh, paralysis. Magnetic resonance proton density fat fraction measurement. That's oh. one thing. <laughs> Servo just posted this one. 
SARS-CoV-2 test false positive. Wow. Uh, oh, boy. Things just get more, and everyone will be like, oh, of course, at the end of the day. Someday everyone will look back on all this and be like, Psh, duh. Of course it was all weird. Ooh, I want to know what white nipple sign is. That's disgusting. <laughs> I'm fascinated. If you have a picture of what is it, white white nipple, and let me go to the W's here. Go to the W's here. Ew. Oh my god, the V's are gross. I don't know what this is. Vascular graft thrombosis. Vascular pseudoaneurysm thrombosis. Vascular pupura. Let's see. Uh, this is from... Venous thrombosis limb. This is from the NIH. The white nipple sign. Please do not disturb. Oh my god. Do not disturb. It's oh, in the geez. title. Blood white spurting sign. or oozing from a varix confirms the diagnosis of uh, Varicial hemorrhage in most cases, ver- varicial hemorrhage. Mm, However, the bleeding mm. has ceased by the time in, uh, in, uh, endoscope. Oh my god, endoscopy Ooh. is performed. Uh, it's a hemorrhage. Wow. Ew! So awesome, delicious, fantastic. Zika virus. What? This results in Zika virus. <laughs> One of the adverse effects of the of the vaccine was Zika virus. Yeah. <laughs> now we are cooking with gasoline. Oh my god. Beautiful. It's like gorgeous. Cooking with gasoline and styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> and orange juice or something. You'll throw something like that in there. Lung really abscess? Oh god. This is ridiculous. Anyway, if you can, you can find all of this. It's it's funny to read it out loud, but it's much funnier to just like look at this wall of text and go through it. Yeah, that was a, that was part of my gag as I was going to have you start reading these off one by one. Well, I think we well, read enough. We don't, we don't have we don't have time for that tonight. Uh, but thank you, Tunta. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we had another anonymous user send in a note saying. I just wanted to tell somebody that last week a national guardsman was work uh, was working in a hospital. Told him that they were being uh, the national guard was being told they might move to D.C. Then poof! Yesterday, I found myself in a freedom convoy, and all of the guardsmen had vanished from the hospitals. Uh, by the way, the guardsmen were trained to work on CRAM, which is missile defense systems, with no healthcare experience. Is yet was hanging out in the pharmacy. Hmm. Yeah. So that is These guys get mobilized and shuffled around. Did did I tell you about my experience at the airport? Uh, this reminds me of my experience at the airport. You you might have to remind me. I dropped off someone at the airport probably like a week ago. You did not tell me ago. this. And you know, a dear a dear family member of mine, I dropped them off at the airport, and there was a guy there who was just strapped um, big guy in AR 15 and he was masked up and he was like big old scary looking military dude. And I got out of the car to like, just, you know, get the stuff out. 
and, and give it to my loved one and hug her and wish her well on, on her trip. And this guy was like up on me, man. This guy walked right up to me, basically, without like deliberately walking up to me and was just fucking like two, three feet away from me as I'm like hugging, <laughs> saying goodbye. And um, I just felt like I had a rifle and a grenade just right up my ass with this guy. This guy just fucking uh, seriously was violating. Uh, and and they're all, there's, everybody's in war mode. You know what I mean? Did it's, you? It's like, did you remember to tell him six feet, dude? Yeah, I was like, dude, social distance for Christ's sake. Yeah, <laughs> fuck out of here. Like it, it was, it wasn't even that bad at the airport. It was, you know, pretty light crowd. I had gone all the way up to the front, like like I should have. You know, I wasn't blocking anything. I was completely out of the way. And this guy totally fucking he fucked with me. He totally came up and fucked with me. And I was just like, whatever, you fucking asshole. Like, I was steaming about it all the way on the drive home. Like, what in the fuck? Are we, are we really at DEFCON fucking four right now like this now? Like, is like, I can't just, like, drop someone off at the airport and hug them for 15 fucking seconds without you, like, you Breathing know, down your fucking neck, yeah. Shooting, like, threatening me with, you know, like, you got a full... Full automatic, <laughs> semi-automatic rifle going, you know? This dude's just going to unload a clip in you. It's <laughs> like, hey, get the fuck out of here, dude. Just, uh, just and killing then, me with this and shit. And then while you're still twitching on the ground, he's going to pull his pants down and T-pag your jaw. He plays a lot of Halo. <laughs> he plays a lot of Halo, this guy. I can tell he plays a ton of Halo. He's probably ranked in, like, the top, I don't know, 5 million in Halo or something, but... Yeah, I was, and everybody, the worst part about it, man, was everybody else was like, oh, this is fine. Everybody else was like, whatever, this is great. I'm fucking steaming. I'm like, dude, I couldn't even get out of my car for 15 seconds without getting threatened by some military dickwad and everyone else. And there was other people there, too, that were kind of like getting hassled. And everyone was like, oh, whatever. And it was like, what am I going to do? There's nothing I can do, but. I was obviously pissed, and I gave him a look. I was like, what the fuck is this, you know? Anyway. You should have turned around and gave him a hug. and then I should have just walked right up to him and just been like, fuck you. And stick <laughs> that flower in his gun barrel. Shoot me. <laughs> Shoot me, you fucking coward. <laughs> that would be it. That would be a fun ISO. I don't know. I don't know if we're allowed to play that ISO. Mm. <laughs> we could blank it out shoot me beep shoot me beep shoot me you <laughs> coward oh lordy anyway. and uh yeah and the same uh, thing kind of, the same just, thing kind of happened uh with uh with you and tunsa when uh when y'all picked me up at the airport well there wasn't a dude with a rifle but uh the guy managing the traffic flow was up everybody's ass yeah, well, it was a busy night that night. That yeah. was that was Super Bowl Sunday, and yeah. when they gets busy like that, that's when they do their jobs and they're hustling people and they're doing their thing. But mm-hmm. it was fucking three cars on the whole strip here. <laughs> this guy was like, Rawr. yeah. Well, oh, I get I get paid here. to do this anyway. Enough of that. Uh, oh, we have more. Uh, of course, we have more. <laughs> 
uh, producers and Freeze of Hazards to thank. Yes, uh, we got Double Thought. He's continuing his support with another $3.33. Uh, and his Double show Thought. is Double Thought Dimension uh, that he does with Tony. It's Derek and Tony. Uh, and I, I was checking out one of their, I think it was his last. Yeah, it's the one that I linked. It was his last one on EDC, which is Everyday Carry. Uh, that was a really fun episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and I definitely mind meld in a lot of ways between the stuff that he carries for um, his work. And I, I won't dox him here. He does talk about it. And then the sort of stuff that I would carry uh, in the old normal, excuse me, old normal when I was doing theater gigs. And mm-hmm. I wanted to tell him <clears throat> if you go and get a roll of white gaff tape, take a piece of string like a like tie line or something, something real thick, you can wrap up the tape onto the string and re-roll it so that you suck up a whole roll of tape into like a little, I mean, shit, it's only like three feet tall by maybe something a little bigger than a half dollar. And then you have a mm-hmm. whole roll of gaff tape. And if it's white, you can make all of your markings and labels and shit and just slap it on there. Um, mm. yeah. And the reason that he got me thinking about it is, uh, he would carry electrical tape, which he also said mm. works as a band aid in a pinch <laughs> to which I have definitely done. <laughs> I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Nice and clean and smooth. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And like, if, if you got a carabiner and a roll of E tape on it, you're, you're double, double cooking because oh, now you yeah. got two tools in one right there. For sure. Yep. Yeah, you got to make it easy. You know, you get the little cottony bit. Like, if you were to try to use, like, say, duct tape as a bandage, the, mm-hmm. all the little bits and shit would get in there. And not oh, yeah. only would it fill up your wound with adhesive, but then when you took it off, it would, like, rip it all out. And rip it all out. Yeah. No good. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't even like duct tape. I don't, there is not a single roll of duct tape in this house. I will uh-huh. tell you that much. I got a little bit, but I'm regretting it at this point. I should just get the good stuff. Yeah. It's expensive, but I am a fan of gaff tape all all of the way. Yeah. Trouble speaking today. We're a gross podcast. (laughs) But that's fun. That's what we like to do. We like to talk about gross things. I did have someone accuse me of carrying rape tape when she saw my uh, electrical tape on on uh, on my carabiner at a bar. In Did Tulsa, you report Oklahoma? her to to human resources? No, uh, I told her without skipping a beat. This is the tape that I use to wrap up hamsters with, so they don't explode when I fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "Marry me." Uh, no, it was it was more of a um, it was more of a disgusted look. I think. Oh, no, you don't say. But, man, you know, she doesn't know. I think that's how, how the Mothman comes. I think that's how the Mothman comes. <laughs> I see. think that's how the Mothman comes. <laughs> yes. We have one last uh, freak of hazard that uh, sneaked in right before the pre-show. Yes, Bully Steed. That's right. And she donated a Whopping thirteen ninety two. Yes, which in the year thirteen ninety two, um, <clears throat> let's see, 
an assassination attempt on Pierre de Crayon against Oliver de Clisson, <laughs> Constable of France, failed on June 13th, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm just trying to see what 13, the 1392 probably adds up to something cool, probably spells something out. Either way, thank you, Police Steed. Yes, thank you. We appreciate it. She was having a hell of a time. Uh, we were playing some music while I was working on a secondary RSS feed to hopefully get us live in CurioCaster. Everybody was having a real good time. You were DJing, playing some music, a lot of Miles Davis. Oh, yeah. We were playing a lot of music, and uh, we yeah, we hung out for a good while, and then for a good while after, you went to bed, too. I uh, was up for a good long, good long while that night. Had a good time. It was a good time. Great time. Great time. And as a matter of fact, I probably have some of it recorded. So nice. Put it somewhere. Nice. Well, if you want to get in on the action with all of these freaks that came through and helped uh, produce this episode of Behind the Schemes, you can head over to behindtheschemes.com, S C H 3 M 3 S. We got a donate button there. You can shoot us an email. I am boo at behindtheschemes.com. And, uh, of course, lavish is lavish at behindtheschemes.com. That's right. You can email me. You can email Booberry, Booberry, and or lavish at behindtheschemes.com. Hmm. Indubitably. Thank you again, everybody. Everyone donated lavishly. Oh, God bless all this money. God, I need to get into the government so I can start making the money. That's where you make. Oh, shit. The money. That's where you make the money. The money. Uh, you- the money. You bastard. I was trying to roll straight into uh, to Spencer's Scream Out promo. How would you feel about bringing that into the second, second half? Yeah, sure. Light it up. We told you who was behind the schemes, but you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a screen mail. We'll play it on the show. 612263. Oh, 69. 612263SXXY. That's 612263799. Nice. Six one two. Get those sexy numbers in there. Two six three seven nine nine nine. I interrupted you. Please say it one more time. Six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. And we got someone waiting in the wing for us. Hey, you guys are a little bit misguided. Um, yeah, oh, all this you- moon talk may be fun <laughs> to kick around, but. Uh, the moon is actually a massive onion in space. Mm. And you guys are still on the, the virgin players. <laughs> I will uh, mm. uh, send Adam a clip and some info. I don't know if it'll tie into his second half. I'll give him another episode or whatever. Uh, by next, next Monday, Sunday night or whatnot. I'll uh, hook you guys up with some uh, almost classified level information about Ooh. what's really going on with the whole moon bullshit. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's, that's like a teaser. Like, oh, look at me. Wah, wah, wah. I'm a puppeteer. Yeah, that's not bullshit, too. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, well, 
Uh, I'm back to the kitchen. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, this is the Screamer show. Moon! Moon! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you for the, the moon intel there, Special Agent Dr. Sir Mike Crotch. Thank you, Dr. Sir Special Agent Sir. And could you please, to the list of uh, potential titles, could you add Virgin Layers? Oh, I put in Virgin Players. Virgin Players? Oh, shit. He said virgin layers. Well, you could see how I could maybe <laughs> mishear that. <laughs> you are having <laughs> your liberty, sir, with these words. <laughs> I do declare. I do declare. Uh, let's uh, let's we can save the last two for the end of uh, end of tonight's episode. Yeah, let's let's save it in the in the dock. <laughs> dock. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pull yeah. the tip of your penis over his <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah we like to give you the real content here on behind the schemes again this is medical advice <laughs> this is all medical advice from an approved doctor uh hey hey booberry yes hello hi did you hear that it's the worst wheat crop in history Uh uh-oh that doesn't sound good yeah it's not good wheat is very important we use it in all kinds of things we we use it with which to make bread etc uh in beer in beer and beer, of course. Who could forget? We need it to make good, good beer, tasty beer. And uh, we need it uh, for all kinds of other things as well. It's used in all kinds of feed, animal feed, dog food, even. is uh, very, very wheat heavy. And there's a lot of things that, that you need wheat for. Um, it's one of the great, great crops of, uh, of mankind. One of the greatest cultivated crops. Uh, but according to people who are on sidelines over in China, which apparently has decided to take it upon itself to be the major wheat-producing nation in the world, uh, they just had the worst winter ever, uh, as far or at least as far as production. Um. Let's see. Speaking of recorded on the sideline, the Minister of Agriculture and Rural Affairs said that rare heavy rainfall last year delayed the planting of about one-third of the normal wheat acreage. A survey of that winter wheat crop taken before the start of the winter found that that, amer- that amount of first and second grade crop was down by more than 20 percentage points. I'm sorry, uh, weren't they doing a bunch of cloud seeding last year? Or am I just remember- misremembering something? We got a lot of news from them talking about it. They've been talking about China and how innovative they've been and how fucking, like, how how they're crushing the wheat game and how they're trying to be Mr. Wheat. You know, yeah. China wants to be Mr. Wheat real bad. Uh, but there's some very fucking interesting stats that this particular report, which is listed in the show notes, uh, which is, you know, from one of these AP... Uh, sanctioned uh, was this Reuters or something? They they have some very interesting uh, little numbers here. First of all, 
And they're talking about, according to, to, to these reports, to address the issue, the National Development and Reform Commission in China says that it will ensure that grain acreage for the year will stay above 117 million hectares, which is roughly 290 uh, million acres, or um, roughly about 450,000 square miles, I think. Wow, Uh, holy shit. It's massive. It's a massive amount of space. Texas, for comparison, is only 270, roughly 270 thousand square miles so they're proposing allocating enough land that's almost double the size of texas just for wheat crop according to this report this these are the numbers that they're throwing out here they're gonna need a lot of people to to maintain that holy shit well and obviously yeah a lot of people and a lot of fucking land yeah i mean Damn, that's a lot of land, man. That's a shitload of land. I don't care how big you are. You're China uh, or whatever. Uh, Bill, could we borrow some land? Oh, yeah. The farm. largest uh, farm farm landowner in America. Yeah. Our buddy Bill. Yeah. Oh, Billy Mr. Boy. <laughs> a weasel. Just straight out of your back, Billy. Do they have enough Uyghurs to, to, to maintain all those crops? Holy shit. <laughs> fewer and fewer every day. God damn. Uh, it's not it's not a good situation over there. They're crazy. Uh they will allocate apparently a bunch of yuan of what is equivalent to about six and a half billion dollars, American dollars, in subsidies, which doesn't seem like a lot of money to me, honestly. Uh, but they're gonna issue that in subsidies in twenty twenty two for insurance premiums, which are up thirty percent. Um wheat has gone up apparently and I, I think i saw a post from nbs i don't know if you know nbs from uh the troll room and uh yeah I've, an, I've seen him around i don't i don't i haven't really talked to him all all that much but uh he's a sweetheart nice. he's a he's a great guy total stoner but he's also uh he's a um trader and he's a he's a he's a finance guy for sure and he was talking today on nas about how wheat as a commodity, the futures are up seventy percent. Um, like <laughs> basically overnight. And I have a picture that I took. I screened. I don't think I actually posted it in the in the um, in the notes. And so I'm going to remedy that right now by posting it on No Agenda Social, and then just copying it over. But I took a screenshot of uh, the five year chart. Or wheat futures in United States dollars, of course. And I'm posting in the chat now. <laughs> Trying to. Oh my God. Are we sure? Uh, <laughs> are we sure these astronomers weren't observing the price of wheat hitting the moon instead of a rocket? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> God. The moon was reportedly hey. hit with a giant big green candle. It slammed into it at high velocity. Oh, uh, lordy. And then you see all the volume as well on the trading. Since uh, since COVID has begun, you can see just the massive amount of, of volume that, that's there underneath. But um, anyway, this is, a, this is a fun little thing that I feel like nobody's really talking about. Um, 
what else? They had some other funny, some funny numbers here. Uh, China will stop attempts to use cropland for any purpose other than agriculture, specifically grain production. And China also said that hog production will be better regulated. And then they're already they topped the whole article off with basically like, um, oh, they're working on it and they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. Oh, and I have a clip, of course. Can you please play China Wheat One? The condition of China's winter wheat crop could be the worst in history, the agriculture minister said on Saturday, raising concerns about grain supplies in the world's biggest wheat consumer. Speaking to reporters on the sidelines of the country's annual parliament meeting, Minister of Agriculture and Rural Affairs Tang Renjian said that rare heavy rainfall last year delayed the planting of about one-third of the normal wheat acreage. Not long ago we went to the grassroots to do a survey and many farming experts and technicians told us that crop conditions this year could be the worst in history, he said. This year's grain production indeed faces huge difficulties. The minister's comments underscore concerns about China's grain supply at the same time as the war between Russia and Ukraine, which together account for about 29% of global wheat exports, has disrupted supplies causing wheat prices to surge to 14-year highs. Fueled by the Ukraine crisis, wheat prices in China soared to a record this week on existing domestic supply worries. At the start of the parliament meeting, Premier Li Keqiang said China will ensure key agricultural product supplies this year, including grains. Everyone must work together to ensure that the country's rice bag and vegetable basket are well filled, and that we have a secure food supply for the people, Li Keqiang said. So he brings up... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Might be time to start learning how to hunt. (laughs) It gets cold in the winter, man. Uh, Um... This is funny stuff. So they bring up Russia and Ukraine. And of course, any sort of anything, and I'm sure there are plenty of things that are for real to be blamed. A lot of the price increases and things like that. But at this point, just like COVID, they can swipe it all under the rug and say, it's due to this. Whatever's going on, all these problems we have, it's not because of this or that or corruption or the whole system's rotten or there's, you know, it's all bullshit. No, it's because of COVID and it's because of Russia and Ukraine. And according to this report, Russia and Ukraine together account for 29% of global wheat exports. That's a big amount. It's yeah, it's the, uh, it's the bread box of, uh, of the world, right? Something the Russian that. flag traditionally is grains of wheat on it. it has grains of wheat on it was way back hmm. yeah it's a it's an interesting thing that i didn't i did not realize that until assuming that this article is is right because i don't know it could just be it's it's tough to tell it's tough to tell what's going on but it is interesting to claim it's an interesting claim that between russia and ukraine and ukraine the, the i thought the whole issue was like with the stalin programs programs where he starved Ukraine, and six million people died in Ukraine alone just from just from the uh, the the uprising <laughs> that they caused. You know, they reallocated all the land from the wealthy peasants to the to the poorer peasants, and they and in so doing, they gave it to all these unskilled people. They were they were unskilled in the labor and all the ways of of managing the land. Yeah, kill, starve out, or kill out all the farmers, and then move in the city folk. That yeah. you've 
inevitably arrested or, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, works every time. Hollow de Moore, uh, yeah. Mm hmm. Hollow de Moore? Uh, Servo, that, that's the event that you're talking about where Stalin starved out everybody. Oh, Hollow de Moore. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, I, I had not seen that term in a while. I just am a, I'm on the foolish English version, you know. Mm. I know the English words for it. Um. Anyway, that's a little uh, news from China. I have uh, something that I thought was interesting from a place that's kind of kind of like China these days. Uh, if you could play the other clip that I have, the other, only other one. Now to a developing story involving Mayor Lori Lightfoot and obscene language used during a heated meeting with Park District lawyers over a statue of Christopher Columbus. It involved the one the city removed in a Regal Park in 2020. According to the Tribune, a lawsuit by former Chicago Park District Deputy General Counsel George Smyrniotis uh, says the park superintendent and its top lawyer wanted a quick settlement with Italian-American groups upset about the removal. But the suit claims Lightfoot was irate about a tentative deal to let the groups use that statue in a parade. Lightfoot apparently mocked the lawyers, asking, did you even go to law school? Do you even have a law license? The suit says the mayor called the lawyers vulgar names before another profanity-laced sentence saying, quote, my blank is bigger than yours and the Italians. I have the biggest blank in Chicago. Smyrny Otis said the mayor's comments made others think he couldn't do his job. He resigned last month. We have not yet heard from Lightfoot's office for comment. <laughs> so, so just to, just to recap, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, uh, is involved with the situation where they remove a statue of Christopher Columbus because of woke culture, cancel culture. Uh huh. The Italians who love Christopher Columbus, and I know this. Because in San Francisco, they have Little Italy, which is North Beach in San Francisco, and they got a no. statue of Columbus there, and you can't fucking you can't fuck with that statue. They couldn't cancel it. Even in San Francisco, the capital of woke Wokeutopia, they couldn't cancel the statue because the Italians get so pissed. Because Columbus is just so important to them. <clears throat> we uh, has been. we we uh we took down a statue of Columbus. I want to say it was in St. Paul, Minnesota during 2020. Actually, no guy that helped take it down. And, uh, it was kind of a fucked up situation. Uh, well, St. Uh, Paul and many got real rough. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like one of the elder gentlemen ended up kind of taking the rap for it all. So only one uh, dude got picked up on it. He got, he took the fall. Mm-hmm. That's lame. Uh, Columbus is a popular target, and I'm really not surprised with all the heat that was going on in your neck of the woods then. I mean, shit, they were burning down buildings, so I'm not surprised that they tore down the statue of Columbus. And I would imagine that there aren't a, there isn't a fervent Italian community that's over there in Minneapolis, St. Paul, that would defend such a thing or get pissed about it. Right. But maybe I, maybe I, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the territory, but I'm just assuming that. But uh, when it comes to this situation, she she stuck by her decision 
because she's totally a Captain Woke when it comes to all this shit. And um, she was on a phone call with these guys, these lawyers that represent the Italian community in Chicago, which is very powerful there. And uh, she told him, I have a bigger dick than you, literally on a phone call. So I have a bigger dick than you. I have the biggest dick in Chicago. Hold on. It's in this drawer. <laughs> I'm going to strap up and come over there and show you. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're about to find out. Uh, God. We're about to find out that Larry Lightfoot likes to feed people. <laughs> Larry all pizza straight to the face. Olives equals giving oral. Yeah, she definitely likes pizza. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if she liked cheese pizza, honestly. Mm. Uh, oh. Mm? Maybe. But but you never know. I mean, she's, she's a weirdo. Um, but I thought that was fucking hilarious. That, that, that showed up somewhere. They'll never, ever, ever bring that up. Like, imagine if fucking Trump said that to somebody on a call. It was just like, I have a bigger dick than you. You have a small dick. My dick's... Like, imagine if Trump actually said that and they had it on tape. Like, they would impeach him just for that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have a fun time looking for uh, chapter art for this story. Oh, Lori dude, Lightfoot. there's so many scary pictures of that woman. That that woman is not a photogenic person, and I and I'm I'm trying not to say that in a very judgmental way. Maybe she, she's not a good person either, so I don't feel too bad about it. I'm gonna I'm really going to enjoy myself the entire time knowing that her dick is bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> she is the biggest dick in Chicago, and you can quote her on that. <laughs> if you like if you like this if you like. The- you like that dick, you should see the size of her bean. <laughs> oh my god. Gross. So gross. God. So gross. But you know what? You better watch it because by God, she's going to be the first female president of the United States of America one day. Oh shit. Uh I don't have a red book, but I would uh I would write that down. Let's meme Just, it. Let's meme. Let's make it happen. She's the total Biden, Truman, bookworm, shoe-in company man that would totally fucking be fucking literally. Uh, I can't say literally. You'd be shoehorned in. That's how, that's what the presidency is now. Is you if you get stuck with the short straw when you have to be president. <laughs> You fucking do it. And then vice president, even shorter straw. You don't even get a straw. You have to sip it from the cup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here, take the sippy cup. It's the last one we got. Yeah. Oh, sippy cups are great, though. Aren't they great? So great. I should start <laughs> drinking beer my, from a sippy cup to see what, see what looks I'd get. My sippy cup is bigger than your sippy cup. I have the biggest <laughs> sippy cup in Chicago, okay, people? <laughs> She's saying that to Italians, man. She's basically saying that to the mafia. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, you know. Come on. It's too We've funny. Already made, 
It's great. I love it. Chicago's so funny. Chicago's a great town. You ever been, you've been to Chicago. You've probably done some show there. I have point. done a couple of shows, and it's usually a two to three week engagement. Yeah, because they go hard there. They don't they don't fuck around with their their theatrical engagements. It's like a science there. Beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, speaking of the presidency and the president. How many national emergencies do you think have been declared since Biden has become president? Mm, 127. 127 national emergencies. Yes. How many national emergencies do you think have ever been declared? 128. (laughs) Close. (laughs) I appreciate you giving it a good, honest college try. I tried. I tried. You tried. You did. You did try. I will have you know, though, that since the National Emergencies Act was enacted in 1976, 78 emergencies, national emergencies, have formally been declared by the White House. 37 have expired, and another 41 are currently in effect. Uh, And they all have to be renewed annually. By the president, by the sitting president. How many do you think, out of 78 emergencies, how many do you think that Trump issued? Mm. Well, I am looking at the notes, so I'm going to say 11. You're going to say 11? You would be correct. Yeah. During his presidency, he issued 11 emergencies. And these emergencies, um, a lot of them, the vast majority of them are sanctions especially in the modern era, quote-unquote. Um, the original ones, they, they were military actions. So, for example, uh, one of the first uh, national emergencies ever was issued by Roosevelt, and it was a national emergency in connection with the observance, safeguarding, and enforcement of neutrality and the strengthening of national defense within limits of peacetime authorizations. So it had to do with military policy. Nowadays, a lot of the times there is a militaristic angle to it, but it, mostly it's sanctions. So, um, for example, Trump issued a national emergency that was a sanction when he blocked property and suspended entry of certain persons in Mali in connection to all of the quote-unquote terrorism that was going on in Mali. So... With that, he froze property and um, that was owned by U.S. assets, and he, you know, limited um, immigration and, and travel. And that's something national emergencies are kind of declared a bit, but they don't really make headlines unless it's, of course, the COVID national emergency, which is which was issued by Trump uh, in March of 2020. Um, the the declaring a national emergency concerning the novel coronavirus disease, which has been renewed and was renewed again and, and is already being used as a as a point for Republicans to come in and say, hey, we gotta they make a big stink about it, you know. We should stop declaring this a national emergency. Um and I should clarify a national emergency, according to the Book of Knowledge, is a situation in which a government is empowered to perform actions not normally permitted, uh, as laid out by the 1976 National Emergencies Act. 
Yeah, we basically give ourselves permission to do stuff that we typically aren't permitted to do. That's right. We get to circumnavigate all of the constitutional limitations that are put on our government. Um, as as was uh, put in, uh, you know, by the fathers or whatever. But with Biden in his one year so far, or I should say, well, two years now, right? two years. Sure, uh, you know, two, two, it's been two years. You're in some some change. Why not? You're in some change then. In less than two years in August, Biden has so far enacted one, two, three, four, five national emergencies. In in just a little bit, a little bit of time. Most of them are sanctions. Uh, Burma, uh, Ethiopia, the illicit uh, drug trade, uh, and sanctions on foreign persons involved in the globalist drug trade, whatever that means. These are all things that he's enacted, but the, the most recent one I thought was very interesting. It was enacted less than a month ago. February 11th, 2022. We didn't hear a single thing about it. And when I looked it up on YouTube, etc., I found that no news stations, no news outlets had covered this that he had done this. But this is the first ever in American history national emergency that is classified as a seizure. The national emergency is thus, protecting certain property of Da Afghanistan Bank for the benefit of the people of Afghanistan. It requires the transfer of all U.S.-held assets from the Afghanistan Central Bank to an account at the Federal Reserve in New York. Wow. <laughs> All your bases belong to us. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For real, though. That's what the, the, a, a national emergency to do that is a massive financial seizure. I mean, that's massive. This to, to require the transfer of all U.S. held assets from the central bank of another country. Is um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if you know this or not, but Biden is a gangster. I don't yeah. know why I don't know why people make so much fun of him. That's some real shit, man. Is this mic on? I guess anyway. And you'd think for doing something so bala, you know, that he would like brag about it or talk about it or do anything, something about it. Anybody would mention anything about it, especially given all of the drama with Afghanistan. Maybe they'd want a W on their belt after the absolute nightmare of a situation that they handled the Kabul um, expulsion and the evacuation. evacuation. Yeah. Th- that, you know, you'd think that they'd want a little good PR or something for Afghanistan. I guess, I guess this isn't good PR. I mean, this is a very, I think, totalitarian move on their end, you know? To, to claim all these assets. And then not only that, but I'm pretty sure they also like, you know, demanded Intel as well as I'm sure they already probably have access to, but to, to, <laughs> to claim all of that, that is incredible. You know, you know what Biden would have to say if they ended up taking too many assets. Fewer. 
not more, fewer. <laughs> and then he'd go. People are yeah. coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening. He's the nice guy. I'm going to ring off all the national emergencies he's declared so far. Real quick. Blocking property with respect to the situation in Burma. Freezes property, denies entry persons involved in the Myanmar coup d'etat and all their families. The next one. Blocking property with respect to specified harmful foreign activities of government in the Russian Federation. Wow. Freezes the property of persons involved in cyber and other threats coming from the Russian government. Whoa. Is that like a Russian troll? Yeah. Wow. Freezes the property of those people. Wow. Does that mean... Okay. Let's. I'm gonna go down a hairball trail for a second. Does that mean, since this is technically property that we use to maintain this show, if we were deemed as Russian agents, could we in fact get our podcast taken away from us? Man, you get everything taken away from you. Hmm. Everything except your pride. Yeah, well, they freeze your property, man. Until, until they let Lori Lightfoot into the room. <laughs> oh, then things get pretty hot pretty quick. Sorry, what's Lori the... Lori Lightfoot's uh, like... <laughs> as she comes, you know, <laughs> close to you. She, uh, you're, like, you're like, Mrs. Mayor, and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she derobes and she's an elder core <laughs> oh, with an God. unspeakable name. <laughs> I should have known... If it quacks like a duck, uh, dead. Uh, what's the uh, what's the list you got? The uh, <laughs> national emergencies. We got a couple more here. We got imposing sanctions on certain persons with respect to the humanitarian and human rights crisis in Ethiopia. I don't recall anything going down in Ethiopia where everybody was up in a fucking arm about it. Imposes sanctions on individuals threatening the stability in Ethiopia or the democratic processes or institutions of Ethiopia. Uh, so I guess they, somebody has uh, some interest in Ethiopia and what's going on there. Hmm. I wonder if there's an aquifer or something that somebody owns. Um, See, there was a recent airstrike. 300 Ethiopians died. Oh, uh, who did that? Uh, well, I'm trying to ask this. Uh, was it those nasty rebels? Fuck. That one was paywalled. Um, I'm not Damn sure. Paywalls. It's, yeah. <sighs> the UN so rights fun. chief says airstrikes have killed hundreds since November in Ethiopia. Uh, let's see, the situation has deteriorated. And the office had received reports of widespread violations, including rapes and lethal airstrikes. Um, they recorded 304 deaths and injuries to 373 people in an air attacks apparently carried out by the Ethiopian Air Force in Tigray and Afar regions. Okay. So it's the Ethiopian government, uh, I guess, allegedly firebombing their own people? Hmm. I mean, it's not unheard of. They There's a lot of internal strife when it comes to all that 
those um, those African governments are. There's been a pretty despotic sixteen month uh, long war between the federal forces and the rebellion forces, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, or hmm. the TPLF. And so they're they're airstriking them. Oh, yeah, that's great. So there's a, obviously uh, some sort of major revolutionary force going on in Ethiopia, and uh, the current phony baloney puppet government needs to be uh, defended from uh, grassroots, uh, or maybe not even grassroots. It could just be, you know. I'm gonna by, I'm gonna go the other uh, way and say that uh, we're funding the rebels. Probably funny both, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold that my beer. Watch this. This is real fucking funny. <laughs> Get that uh, guy. The other. That's for amateurs. <laughs> we fund them all. <laughs> America always gets its cut, boy. Yeah. Um. Yep. National emergencies. How fun is that? Uh. Speaking of which, uh, as far as this COVID national emergency and all that stuff, I put in the chat, even though I haven't looked into it really at all, the the American Convoy uh, has its own website, the People's Convoy. And you go to it, and I don't know, if you're into that whole thing, I'm not really going to promote it too much, but it's funny to see that it is in motion and it has a site where it tells you currently where the head of the convoy is staged at. Right now it's at the the Hoggerstown Speedway in Hoggerstown MD MD Maryland? Maryland, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm on the West Coast, so some of these are a little fuzzy. Yeah, so right now it's in Maryland. Uh I think it's probably heading to DC, right? Isn't that the idea? That was uh, Hoggers, like H-O-G-G-E-R-S? H-A-G-E-R-S. I'm probably saying it wrong. Hagerstown. That's Hagerstown, says Junta in the chat. Hagerstown. And he believes that we are funding the rebels, and I'm sure that we are. Hagerstown, Maryland. Thank you. Hagerstown, not Hagerstown. Yeah, it's just above uh, Frederick. Off of 270, it looks like. Into, yeah, that's that's basically spitting distance to D.C. That's a suburb. If I'd ever seen one. Yeah, that's not far at all. It won't take long for them to get there at all. And they, they have a donation thing, but I have to say, this whole Canadian situation has put a bad taste in my mouth as far as donating to this convoy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these people Nothing making... scares me. Nothing. Yeah, no shit. I can see why, too. <laughs> this guy just needs to declare a national emergency. Oh, my gosh. We're going to freeze the assets of blah, blah, blah. People's concerned. Ugh. There isn't proof of shit, you fucking lying little cunt. Yeah. It's cool. We're operating on something a little more than the fucking Magna Carta, so. Yeah. We're all right. <laughs> yeah. 
Damn. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm Lavish, and welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> First of all, fuck Europe. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, sorry to all of our European listeners. Sorry, Acid. So if Biden did, uh, what was it, six in one year? And we can presume, let's presume that he continues that trend. That would be what, 24 and four years? 24 and one term. One term. So 24 national emergencies in one term. And they'll be like, wow, what a great president. Which is one third of the total amount already. Right. <laughs> this the one. <laughs> do you know? I don't know if you already looked at the list, but can you guess who has the most of all time? National emergencies declared. Clinton. You're absolutely goddamn right. I did not look. You didn't look? Nope. Yeah, it's Clinton, man. Clinton's got a shitload. He's got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And of those 16, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of them are still currently uh in rotation every year. Wow. Had to keep that trainer rolling all night long. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe not. Train, yeah. Trains are bad, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm trains. Trains and drugs. I'm good. Trains and drugs. You got mm, the okay. drugs in the train. I'm good. <laughs> Oh, wow. Mm, okay. Mm, okay. Mm, okay. Uh, it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty fascinating stuff. I, there was one comment. I don't want to take it all the way back to the wheat, but there was just one thing I wanted to mention that, uh, have you ever heard any conspiracy hypothesizers out there get into the conversation about grain and how uh, hu- humanity's introduction to the cultivation of grain is what put us in this uh, alleged slave state uh, frame of mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Professor Ted shit. Yeah. That's manifesto shit. Nice. I was just thinking about it. So maybe that would end up being a good thing. If agriculture collapsed? <laughs> well, when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd probably be good news for whoever was around in a thousand years to reap the benefits of it, but we wouldn't have such a fun time. I was just trying. <laughs> sorry, I. That's what I get for trying to imagine myself as uh, Klaus Schwab. This is this is why I love people who are like, man, I wish Fallout was real. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you wish like you were dead? Yeah. <laughs> Like you were disintegrated by an atomic bomb, that's what you want? <laughs> Remember, there's only one main character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's, you know, around 300 years from now. It's not, it's not you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's a lot. Well, and we've talked about even further, I know that we've talked about before Adam Curry having... He interviewed somebody who was a farmer. 
Ah, uh, the uh, the elusive Texas Slim. Which Texas I'm, Slim? I've been looking for it, but I don't know where to find it. I'm so sad that I had, it's hard to find because I I listened to it live on the No Agenda stream. Ice Age Farmer Servo. God damn it, Servo! You magnificent bastard. Uh, the Ice Age Farmer. Uh, talked to Adam Curry and talked about the the foundation of the seed itself and how basically all seeds, because of the way that farming works now, the vast majority of agriculture in the United States is, is commercially run by conglomerates and things. It's not a small family-run farm anymore. And all of the seed itself is also produced and, and owned, really, by these large corporations, these conglomerates that have ties with um, biotech companies and, and and things like that, and they, they develop patents, and they make, a, they make a buck by having these strains that are, you know, they have a monopoly over the situation, really. And there's a, there's a limit to the variety of seed that you can get, and the, the variety of seed that you do get is so overly modified genetically. It's so it's so far from what you would consider an organic product. Yeah, and you got to be able to use the uh, like pesticides that are built to not kill their plants, but it'll kill everything else or some crazy shit. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, oh, it looks like I think the producers. Uh, in the chat helped us out. They're they're gonna they're gonna get it for us. They got it for us. Yeah, so that's scary because you, you don't even think about it. I mean you're talking about getting behind the schemes, you're talking about food. That's so far back in the process that people don't even really get to that point thinking about it. But it makes absolute sense. That these things would be so controlled. And yeah. I've heard stories about, you know, for these small farms, there were stories back in the day where the Monsanto uh, seed would fall off the truck and the corn seed would get into, you know, other people's farms and and the Monsanto corn would grow with this other corn. Yeah, and then Monsanto would scoop in and be like, uh, all of your property belongs to us now. (laughs) Yeah, you come in with an army of lawyers and sue the shit out of them and, and appropriate all their shit and it's... There's stories like that happening all the time. I think Biden calls that a seizure. Oh, yeah, he will. The Beef Initiative by Texas Slim. Man, the chat's coming through in the clutch. Thanks, boys. Fucking beautiful. C-dubs. Servo. Bully Steed, of course. Anyway, it's all about our patented seed. I just want to keep my seed pure. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh that's, that's uh it's very dirty i don't know what you're it's talking very, about it's a very I dirty like, seed we'll clean it up we'll clean it up I, real good i just want healthy food on my table growing in my farms and i want my seed to be pure <laughs> The uh, yeah. sorry, I just I got Im- I get images in my head. What can I say? You dirty bitch. 
Bully seed in the chat says this is what happened in California with organic crops. Yeah, this is yeah, this is this it didn't happen too far from me. Cross pollination, gotta be careful with that shit. Yeah, it's fucking bees, that's why they're taking them out. We're gonna five G the bees right into the ground. The uh I get a a couple of voicemails I could put you in the ground with. Do it. Do it. Hey, I'm working on my audio hygiene. I tend to pace and walk around my estate or in and out of areas that might have a fan or uh, whatever, miscellaneous stuff going on. And it's just, I don't know. I, some, I listen back once or twice to one or two whatever messages or shows, and I'm just like, dude, I need a like better mic or some bullshit sit down and talk to people but you know that's not really part of the gig you don't sit down and talk for very long jumping around anyway not saying i'm like neurotic or pacing but uh that's what i'm doing now so um yeah you're talking a napalm notice my long drug out intro to uh evade any quick uh capture oh no um blah 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 so yeah styrofoam sucks holy shit it stinks and it's just nasty and it's when it terrible. starts burning oh so bad sucks. yeah there are a lot of uh vets back in the day that might have been exposed to some of that stuff and not doing so good so anyway yeah sugar the great styrofoam wars you can play with the dosage don't play with this stuff but uh if you if you were to play with the dosage sugar, or shave or cut up a cube up a bar of ivory soap. Yeah. Similar, common results. If you were out there making napalm! <laughs> oh. Nothing but this the finest medical bastard. advice. <laughs> Only a doctor could be able to afford a bar of soap made out of pure ivory. How dare you call her? <laughs> you know, doc, uh, Special Agent Dr. Sir, my crotch, if you got a long enough microphone uh, cable, you could still probably pace around. Yeah, that's true. Long There'd enough. be a lot of whooshes and douches and thises and thats, but he's <laughs> dynamic. Dodge, He'll be okay. Doug, d- dive, dodge. <laughs> you'll have to dodge the 5Ds while you're doing it, but you, you'll do it. It'll be fine. I wonder what... So, I'm assuming he was talking about sugar and gasoline, right? Yeah, because there has to be a... Yeah, maybe like a sugar and gasoline or or adding sugar into the styrofoam and gasoline concoction. Hmm. But sugar versus sugar, sugar burns like a motherfucker. This is true. Huh. <laughs> huh. That is you, interesting. YouTube. Let's see. Mm, if we were going to do those. And also, Servo and Bully Seed making the right uh, observation in the chat that both flour and grain, uh, both flour and corn, you can't find any of it in America where it's like real, real. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist in America. I think I've told the story before, but one time I got out of the country and I went to Europe, went to France. And I had food there. I had bread. And I had 
fruit and all kinds of things. And the fruit there is little tiny and bruised and squirrely, but it's real and it tastes real. And it's like delicious in a way that you can't even describe, that I couldn't describe. And then when I had the bread, I I, I almost fucking threw it out the window because I was so pissed because I realized that I'd never had real bread before that day. That day was the first day that I'd actually had real bread. <laughs> because we don't have real bread here. It doesn't exist here. Unless you import your flour from Europe. <laughs> or something. I wonder if he was... Okay, so... If you put sugar in someone's gas tank, does that make the vehicle highly flammable? Oh, man. What if That's, you mix that with one of the grease strings? That sounds like, uh, that sounds really dangerous. Sounds awesome. Huh. Interesting. That is not medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps this, uh, perhaps this next caller has good medical advice for us. Happy Mondays, boys. Does he do it? How does he do it? Oh my god. That is very Satan-y. The devil. Wow. That was very That's what I think it was. That's what I think it was. That guy did a two-hour solo show. And then called in and then screamed like that. What a pro. Spooky stuff, man. Spooky stuff. Consider me spooked. Well, this has been... Uh, did you have anything else for tonight? Or, or are you ready to wind this mother down? I think I'm ready to put her down. Put me down, baby. Oh, yeah. This has been episode 87 of Behind the Schemes. It is now, in fact, March 8th, 2022. At least where you are. Still the 7th for me for another hour or so. We do do this show every Monday night, 730, 930, 1030 Eastern. Head over to Live, and that's where we're partying with the Green Room folks. Every single Monday's night, baby, we get down and we clown because it's clown world now. It is. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> Peak clown world. <laughs> peeking. I'm peeking right now. Oh, I'm fucking. I'm peeking on the honk. Honk! Oh, I got a honk. <laughs> yeah, we're a value for value production, which means we don't have ads, we don't have corporate sponsors. We are publicly supported by producers who. Us and uh, financial contributions and clips and music and ideas and and every now and again a picture of their boobs. Speaking of which, I want to go see if uh, honk fetish is a thing. Uh, if it exists, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm about to go find out, and I've been booberry black knight of the moth man. <laughs> and. 
and I suppose I am too. My name has been and shall continue to be lavish. This is Behind the Schemes, the esoterica of your dreams. (laughs) His arsenal is the kitchen shelf, the trash pile. What did Adam Curry say about horse penis? She is stoned. Oh! Anyone can break up a showing of an enemy propaganda film by putting two or three dozen large moths in a bag. This show is behind the shem shemas. Schemes. Behind the schemes with threes as ease.